Welcome to the Faith Christian Fellowship of Montego Bay's podcast. We are reaching for His glory through building and teaching. I hope you are encouraged and edified by this message. Today, I'd like to just share with you a word. And the title of this message is, Could It Be? Could It Be? And our theme scripture is 2 Chronicles 20. Let's read. It came to pass after this also that the children of Moab and the children of Ammon and with them other beside the Ammonites came against Jehoshaphat to battle. Then there came some that told Jehoshaphat, saying, There cometh a great multitude against thee from beyond the sea on this side, Syria. And behold, there be in Azavan Tamar, which is en And Jehoshaphat feared and set himself to seek the Lord. Even out of all of the city, set himself to seek the Lord and proclaim a fast throughout all Judah. So let's get some meat out of the three verses that we have read. First verse says, and it came to pass, and it came to pass after this also. So it would suggest that something had happened in the past before we are now at Second Chronicles chapter 20. Now, could it be that it's something significant that the first verse it says, and it came to pass also? Could it be significant? Keep that thought in mind. Now, let's go to verse 2. No. This is a picture of a crisis. If ever there was a crisis, this is it, verse 2. When the armies are coming against Jehoshaphat. If we think we're in a crisis now, this was a crisis that Jehoshaphat faced. And you have to understand the context. When an army came against another army, back in those days, it was one intention and one intention only. Kill, steal, Destroy, wipe out everything, burn down the place, and steal whatever they have. And this would have meant economic ruin. It would have meant the death of a nation, the wiping out of a people. So this was not an ordinary thing that was going to happen. This was a crisis, and a crisis of great proportion. And Jehoshaphat and Judah found themselves in a crisis. Now, folks, please ask these one verse nine. The great King Solomon, the wise man, said, What has been will be again. What has been done will be done again. There is nothing new under the sun. So, any crisis that you're facing now, crisis that happened in the past. We have the word of God that can give us the principles to overcome every crisis we will ever face. So as we go through this journey, we will look at how King Jehoshaphat and Judah dealt with this crisis. With the understanding that there is nothing new under the sun. So it might be new to you, but it is not new. Now, verse 3, Jehoshaphat feared. And that word fear means to become frightened, to become afraid. And when you're afraid, it means that you're worried that something undesirable will happen. Anytime you're afraid, you become worried, you become anxious. And it is said that you have one of two 
reactions to fear. And you fight or flight. The choice is yours. No, we want to just look carefully at how Jehoshaphat dealt with the situation. Who is this guy called Jehoshaphat? So let's just step back in time here to get some meat. So we have the situation. And Jehoshaphat, king of Judah, is careful. Let's find out something about this guy. Let's go to Second Chronicles 17. We're just getting some background here. And Jehoshaphat, his son, reigned with them and strengthened himself against Israel. And he placed forces in all the fenced cities of Judah and set garrisons in the land of Judah and in the cities of Ephraim, which Asaph, his father, had taken. And the Lord was with because he walked in the first ways of his father David and sought not unto Balaam, but sought to the Lord God of his father and walked in his commandments and not after the doings of Israel. So we can, from this passage, we can say that Jehoshaphat, because he walked in the ways of the Lord, can we not say that he was righteous? Can we not say that he was in right standing with God? We can say that he was in right standing with God. And we know about the kingdom key of righteousness. And because Jehoshaphat was righteous and the right righteousness was operating in his life, here are some things that happen. The kingdom key of righteousness attracts some things in your life. You know? Yes, that is a principle. The scripture says the Lord established the kingdom in his hand. So established means to make stable, to stand. So he brought stability to Jehoshaphat and the kingdom. But you have to understand the background to this. In that time, what you had, there was the, the, the United Kingdom when David was king. Well tried. But after David died, you know, the kingdom was divided and you had 10 tribes that became Israel and two tribes that Judah. And so what you find from time to time, you would have been fighting and people would overthrow one king. But because of righteousness, God gave Jehoshaphat stability. God gave Judah stability. And you will understand as we go along why it's important to have stability. Second thing that happened, it says all Judah brought presents to Jehoshaphat. Bible said he had riches in abundance, the man was not poor. And folks, it's not always about money. Money is a part of this thing, but it's not the only thing, right? The Bible said he had honor, respect. Everybody wants respect these days, yes. But he had honor, respect in abundance. And abundance means very large quantity. Proverbs 22, verse 1 from the Amplified says, A good name. Earned by honor, honorable behavior, moral courage, and personal integrity is more desirable than great riches. And favor is better than silver and gold. So having honor, having a good name is a valuable thing. Having riches, good just the same. And having stability in your life is also important. And this is what the kingdom key of righteousness is for King Jehoshaphat. There's another scripture 
Genesis 39, when it says, the Lord was with Joseph, and he was a successful man. And the Lord was with Joseph. Joseph walked in righteousness just the same. He walked in integrity and moral courage. So the kingdom key of righteousness was working both in the life of Joseph and in the life of King Jehoshaphat, the laying a foundation. No, the Lord was with Joseph. Now we can even appreciate Psalm 46, verse 7. It says, the Lord of hosts is with us, and the God of Jacob is our refuge. Lord of hosts. And Lord means owner. He's the master. And host, the Hebrew word for that word host is sabot. Yeah? And sabot means armies or a limitless company, an innumerable company. An innumerable company of what? Or who? Huh? Let's go to Hebrews 12, verse 22. It says, But we have come unto Mount Zion and unto the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to an innumerable company of angels. So the Lord of hosts, the Lord Sabaoth, is the Lord of an innumerable company of angels, an innumerable mighty army. You know, folks, sometimes we forget who we have with us. Sometimes we behave as if there's nobody with us, or the God who is with us is impotent. But remember that he is the Lord of hosts. He is Jehovah Sabaoth. That is a covenant name, you know. Jehovah Sabaoth. Jehovah Jireh means that I am your provider. That's a covenant that God has made with us. And he's been a God who keeps his word. So Jehovah Sabaoth. Is with us, and the God of Jacob is our refuge. So, who is this us? Us is the righteous, but the Lord of hosts is with us, the righteous, and the God of Jacob is our refuge, the Lord of an innumerable company of angels is with you. It doesn't matter what you're going through, that he's with you, and he says he's with you. He's with you. But I can almost hear someone saying, well, if God is with us, if God is for us, why are all these things happening to us? I can almost hear somebody saying, you know, Romans 8 verse 31, what shall we say to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? That's what the word says. What somebody's saying, but all these things that are happening to us, it is for us. What is going on? And that's very similar. Somebody else in the Bible said it. Gideon, when Gideon was facing a crisis, another crisis, and the angel came and Gideon said, but if God is for us and God is with us, then why are all these things happening to us? Hey, I'm curious. Good question anyway. Let's go back to 2 Chronicles chapter 17. Let's, let's see what's happening here. From verses 
Seven to nine. So King Jehoshaphat, we have established that this guy is a righteous man, walking in righteousness. And one of the things that he did was to send out people, send out persons to all of the cities, all of the towns in Judah. And he sent them out to teach the people the word of God, to teach the people from the book of the law. This man was serious about righteousness. He wanted righteousness to pervade the entire nation. There's a scripture, the word says righteousness, exalted the nation, but sin is a reproach. We need the word of God, folks. That needs to be our standard in everything that we do. Not man's philosophy, not your grandmother's all-time fables. We need the word of God. Okay? Now, verses 10 to 12, it says, And the fear of the Lord fell upon all the kingdoms of the land that were round about Judah, so that they made no war against Jehoshaphat. And some of the Philistines, remember the Philistines? Remember Goliath? Enemies of Israel. Let's establish that. And some of the Philistines brought Jehoshaphat present and tribute silver. And the Arabians brought him flocks, 7,700 rams, and 7,700 eagles. That's a lot of goats. You can get a lot of money for those goats right now. And Jehoshaphat waxed great exceedingly. I just love how God expresses things. And he built in Judah castles and cities of store. Proverbs 16, verse 17, this is one of my favorite verses. It says, when a man's ways, when a man's ways leave the Lord, he maketh even his enemies to be at peace with him. And you can see it right here. That's what happened with King Jehoshaphat. His ways, he was walking in the ways of the Lord. His ways were pleasing unto God, and his enemies were at peace with him. In fact, his enemies started to bring things to him. Folks, when you have peace in your life, you are able to build. It's difficult to build when there is turmoil. It's difficult to build when there is confusion and disorder. But when you have peace, you are able to build. So in this church, for this year, we're talking about building capacity. In order to build capacity, you know, need to look at your personal capacity. And we're looking at all the different accounts in your life. And so what we're doing is bringing order to the different accounts in your life so that there will be growth. So when there is peace, peace is there's order. And then order of engine of growth. That's how the growth flow is going to take place in every area of your life. Wouldn't you like God to give you some peace, to give you some rest from some enemies that have been bothering you so that you can have order and you can begin to build harassing anxiety, doubt, fear, insecurity. You name it. Harassing your constant head. This is the season I want to give you. Peace. I want to give you some peace so that you can build and you can be strengthened. Verse 13. Jehoshaphat 
and he had much business in the cities of Judah, and the men of war, mighty men of valor, even in Jerusalem. And these are the numbers of them, according to the house of their fathers, of Judah, the captains of thousands, Adna, the chief, and with him mighty men of valor, 300,000, right? And next to him was another captain, and with him 204, that's 280,000, yes? Good, stay with me, stay with me. And next, another captain who willingly offered himself unto the Lord, and with him 200,000 mighty men. And then we have another one, armed with bow. These men now were armed with bow and shield, 200,000. And next was another one, and with him 104,000 ready, prepared for war. How many mighty men we have there? 1,084,000. So King Jehoshaphat had over a million Men of valor, and these men were ready, so they were prepared for the war. They were just sitting down. These waited on the king, beside whom the king put in the fences his throne all Jews. So he, they were just there, ready for war. Let's go back to Second Chronicles chapter 10. So here are some questions. If God had given him peace from his enemies, why did the army of Ammon Moab? And the rest of them decide to come against him. What prompted them to do that? What entered into their mind? What gave them that thought? And if Jehoshaphat is righteous as we've established, then why is God allowing this army to come against him? And if Jehoshaphat has over one million fighting men of war ready to fight, why is he fearful? This, 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 this. I get some questions here because that's what the word said. He, he feared. So if he's righteous, why is God allowing this to happen? And if he has a million fighting men, why is he fearful? And if God had given him peace, how come these armies don't decide to come against him? Could it be that it's a setup? Could it be that it's just a setup? It's how you look at your circumstances, you know. It's a matter of perspective. So we have these three questions. So maybe there is a missing piece of the puzzle somewhere in the past. Let's take a step back in time again. Let's look at Second Chronicles chapter 18. Now read the first verse here just to give you some background. It says, No Jehoshaphat had riches and honor in abundance and joined affinity with Ahab. It means he made an alliance. He, he, he was a friendship. Who you make alliance with is a dangerous thing. If you make alliance with people who are anti-God, it's a dangerous thing, folks. It opens a door. So let me just quickly walk into the story. So Jehoshaphat, they had an alliance with Ahab. Ahab was the king over Israel, the ten tribes. Jehoshaphat was the king over Judah, the two tribes. And Jehoshaphat meant well. He was well intentioned. So he said, You know, they're my brothers, just to say, you know. So uh, we're friends. 
nothing is wrong. We're, we're friends. I'll take, I'll, I'll come in and be your friend. So he went to visit King Ahab. And King Ahab wanted to go up to battle like Ramoth Gilead. And Jehoshaphat, he persuaded Jehoshaphat, and Jehoshaphat was a little hesitant. And he said, Is there nobody, is there no prophet here that we can inquire from the Lord? And like King Jehoshaphat, way of doing things, you know, he always wanted to hear God's mind on a situation. And Ahab said, You know, he had his own prophets, 400 of them actually. And all of them started to prophesy and told Ahab what he wanted to hear. But King Jehoshaphat was still not convinced. And he said, is there nobody else? And King Ahab said, yes, there is a guy. But you know, he always tells me negative things, nothing positive. But Jehoshaphat said, go and get him. Let, let's hear what he has to say. And they brought me this guy, Mikhail. And you know, he said, okay, Mikhail, what, what, what the Lord saying? And of course, Mikhail told Ahab, what he wanted to hear, and said, no, tell me the truth. <laughs> because you don't know I'm going to tell me anything good. So how come now you are in agreement? And he said, okay, I'm going to tell you what's up. I'm going to tell you the real deal here. I see Israel. I see you guys destroy. I see you guys overcome by your enemies. And of course, Ahab was not pleased. And decided that, you know, he was going to send him away to be locked up. And he persuaded Jehoshaphat, even in the word of the Lord. Why would Jehoshaphat do that? And Ahab persuaded him to go with him into battle. I tell you, know, be careful of your alliances. Be careful of your alliances. This is what Ahab did. He said, okay, I am going to disguise myself, but you wear your royal robes. Why? And so, Jehoshaphat did you? He was so well intentioned. He was so corrupt. And so, the army, the king of the invading army, had given instructions to his men to say, Don't fight against anybody. The king of Israel, we want. That's who we want. And so, when they were in battle, they saw the dispersing royal robes and they assumed that it was the king of Israel. And the Bible said they encircled King Jehoshaphat. And when they were about to do him in love, they were going to kill him. The Baptist, the King Jehoshaphat, cried out. And the Lord feared him. The Lord caused them to move away from him. And they realized, what the king of Israel at all? What kind of friend is that? Yeah. What kind of alliance is that? That is what you call a set up. But thank God that God remembered King Jehoshaphat. Was that God even more that he cried out? Glory to God. He cried out and the Lord responded to his cry. And so the Bible says in, in, in verse in chapter 19 that Jehoshaphat went home in peace. But here, here's what happened, folks. Here's what happened. Second Chronicles 19. And Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah, returned to his house in peace to Jerusalem. And Jehu, the son of Hanani, the seer, went out to meet him and said to King Jehoshaphat, Shouldest thou help the ungodly and love them that hate the Lord? Therefore, his wrath upon thee from before the Lord. Basically, man was saying, Judgment has come upon you, King Jehoshaphat, because you made alliance 
with somebody who hates God. Ahab was known for his worship of Baal. He did not follow the ways of God at all. And this was the person who King Jehoshaphat had made a friendship and alliance with. And this is what the seer said to him. But I thank God for the word, nevertheless. Nevertheless, he says, there are good things found in thee, in that thou hast taken away the grooves out of the land and hast prepared thine heart to seek mine. Even though wrath from the Lord is coming unto you, but your righteousness. Kingdom key of righteousness that is operating in your life is going to preserve you. You know, folks, sometimes we miss it. Sometimes we mess up. But thank God we have an advocate. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and he's just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So even though he has done this thing and he's attracted, he opened the door, God said, nevertheless, Good things have been found in the kingdom key of righteousness is going to preserve you. So could it be, could it be, church, that this is what prompted these armies to come against Jehoshaphat? Could it be that this was the open door? Could it be? Could it be that this is the reason God is allowing these armies to come against Jehoshaphat? And despite having over a million fighting men, could it be the reason for his fear? I believe Sam just said, could it be? Could it be? So now that we have this background, let's now fast forward to Second Chronicles chapter 20. So we have a crisis on our hands here. Jehoshaphat has a crisis. And I love how he dealt with it. He didn't start complaining and grumbling. And so I'd say, oh, judgment is come and it's end up. No, the Bible says that he decided to seek the Lord. He wanted God's mind on it. He wanted God's perspective. And he proclaimed a fast throughout all Judah. And the Bible says, oh, Judah gathered themselves together to ask help of the Lord. Even out of all the cities of Judah, they came to seek the Lord. And folks, you know, why it was so easy for all of them to just come at Jehoshaphat's bidding? Because, remember, he had taken the time to send the men out to teach the people the word of God. So the people understood. The people knew the word of God. They had a foundation in the law of God. So when King Jehoshaphat said, here we have a crisis, all of us. From the little one to the old one, all of us will be fasting and seeking the Lord. Everybody complied. Also, because he was king too. <laughs> but it helped that they understood the word of God. The word of God was in him. So here is Jehoshaphat's response. He proclaimed the facts, decided to seek the Lord. Everybody came together to seek help from the Lord. And I like. King Jehoshaphat's prayer, verses 6 to 12. I want to pick out some nuggets out of King Jehoshaphat's prayer. When he came before God, the first thing he did, he began to speak well of God. He began to praise God. He said, Oh Lord God of our fathers, art thou, 
Art thou not God in, in heaven? And rulest not thou over all the kingdoms of the heathen? And in thine hand is there not power and might? So none is able to withstand thee? He began to speak well of God. He began to praise him. Hallelujah. The Bible says, enter his courts with praise. Enter his gates with thanksgiving. And into his courts with praise. When you come into the presence of God, there's a protocol church. And so he began to speak well of God. And then he reminded God of his covenant with his friend Abraham. King Jehoshaphat was smart. He made sure to say to God, remember, Abraham, you're a friend. Abraham, you're a friend. So when you have a friend, you have a close relationship. And God is a covenant-keeping God. So Jehoshaphat reminded God of his covenant. And then he put God in remembrance of Solomon's prayer. When Solomon dedicated the temple, Solomon had prayed something significant. And he reminded God of that promise. And he also reminded God that the people who are coming against him are repaying evil for good. He said, these were the same people that when Israel came out of Egypt, you would not allow them. You would not allow Israel to destroy them. And look here, look, look at what these people are now doing, repaying us evil for good. I'm sure we can all identify with that at some point in our lives. And you're saying, look how much I've done for this person. And yet they're paying evil for good. And then he did something, I, I like this, I really like it. said to God, God, this is your problem. He said, this is your problem. You know that? He said, God, it's your problem. This. Because what they're coming to do is to throw us out of your possession that you have given us. So in essence, Jehoshaphat was saying, God, these people are fighting against you. It's you they're fighting against when they're coming against us. And he then admits this problem, this challenge is bigger than us. He humbled himself. This challenge is bigger than us. And he said, God, we don't know what to do, but our eyes are on you. I will lift up mine eyes to the hills. From whence cometh my help? My help, our help, cometh from the Lord, the maker, the sustainer of heaven and earth. And folks, I want to share with you this morning that this was what God wanted. <laughs> he wanted an opportunity to show up. Don't worry about your challenges. It's just an opportunity for God to show up. If you see that link, don't worry about your crisis or your crises. It's an opportunity for God to show up if you have the right approach. King Jehoshaphat is a principle how we approach the situation, this crisis. And when he prayed, and here are some things he said, God, we're looking to you. We need your help. So we need you to show up. And Psalm 37, verse 48. It says, the righteous cry, and the Lord hears, and he delivers them from their troubles. The righteous, there's something about the kingdom key of righteousness. Psalm 37 verse 23 says, the steps of a righteous man 
uh, ordered by God. David said, I have never seen the righteous forsaken nor received anyway. In Genesis, the, the fervent prayer of a righteous man causes things to happen. That, that's a translation of what it means. Causes things to happen. There is something about righteousness. He cried out. The Bible says that when the righteous cry, Lord, hear. Let's read from verse 40. It says, Then unto Jehaziel, then upon Jehaziel, the son of Zechariah, the son of Benah, came the spirit of the Lord in the midst of the congregation. I know this. God's going to speak to them. A congregation, or everybody's going to hear it at the same time. It's not a hearsay thing. He's, he's speaking in the congregation. So they're all hearing it at the same time. And he said, Hearken ye, O Judah, and all the inhabitants of Jerusalem, and the king Jehoshaphat, thus says the Lord unto you, be not afraid. Be not afraid, nor dismayed. Why are thou cast down, O my soul? Why, why, why? Hope thou in God, man. Hope thou in God. And it says, do not be afraid, nor dismayed by the reason of this great multitude. For the battle is not yours, but God's. Remember, Jehoshaphat told God, God, this is your problem. Problem, and God said, well, it's my problem. I'm going to take care of it. It's not your battle. I am going to show up. I am going to show my greatness. The Lord Sabaoth is going to step into the situation and you are going to see his greatness. You're not just going to talk about it. You're not just going to sing about it. You're not just going to dance about it. But you're going to begin to grow. You're going to begin to experience the greatness of our God in every aspect, in every area of your life. Nothing will remain untouched. Nothing will remain untouched. Can you believe it? You have to be able to conceive it for it to happen. God, I know we struggle, our finite mind struggle, but receive it in your spirit. And God says, okay, that's your fight. It's mine. But here's what you do. Tomorrow, going down against them, behold, they come up, and God is so specific. He told them, he told them, Judah, exactly where the enemies were located. He didn't miss a beat. He was so specific. And somebody might say, okay, they prayed. Why didn't God stop the army from coming against them? You know, God didn't stop the army. He didn't stop it. He made the army come. But there's a reason for that, folks. Yeah? But sometimes it's a book. I pray on it. So there's a reason. Big time. Let, let the time play out. Let cause things to play out. They gave them instructions and you shall not fight in this battle. There's no need for you to fight. All you need to do, stand still and see the salvation of the Lord with you. He said, the Lord with you. If God is with you, if God be for us, who, 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 who can stand against our God? Who can stand against our God? Think about that church. Who can stand against him? No one can. No one will. And he's never lost a battle. And he never will. God said, hey, fear not. 
nor be dismayed. Tomorrow go out against them, for the Lord will be with you. There is something about when the Lord is with you. There is something when the Lord is born you know. Something that's something unique, that's something special. Yeah, we feel comfortable when we see the soldiers driving around. But Allah God is way more powerful, way more willing, and way more able, and He's with you. So sometimes you need to be reminded of who is with us, who is with me. Glory, the angel of the Lord encamped, roaming about them. <laughs> who is with us? The Lord of hosts, the Lord of an innumerable company of angels is with us. And what was Judah's response? So God responded and he gave them instructions from verses 14 to 17. And Judah responded, verses 18 to 21, obedience. They followed the instructions of God. And they consulted and decided to send appraisers ahead of the army. What a battle strategy. How strange. But guess what? God's battle strategy is different from man's battle strategy. The army went out. Praisers went ahead of them. And they started praising. We could, we could preach about praise, but that's not what we are, where we're going today. And so, obedience. They followed God's instructions. So, what was the outcome? Verses 22 to 25. And when they began to sing and to praise, the Lord set ambushments against the children of Ammon, Moab, and Moseir, which were come out against Judah. And they were smitten. For the children of Ammon and Moab stood up against the inhabitants of Moseir, utterly to slay and destroy them. And when they had made an end of the inhabitants of Seir, Everyone helped to destroy. They killed themselves. Is Judah did not have to lift a finger to the enemies. They killed themselves. They fought against themselves. And when Judah came toward the watchtower in the wilderness, they looked unto the multitude, and behold, there were dead bodies fallen to the earth, and none escaped. When God shows up to deal with your situation. He does a complete job. He's the author and the finisher. He's Alpha and Omega. He does a complete work. None escaped. And when Jehoshaphat and his people came to take away the spoil, they found among them in, a, in abundance both riches with the dead bodies and precious jewels, which they stripped off for themselves, more than they could carry away. Let's read that again. More than they could carry away. And there were three days, three days in gathering of the spoil. It was so much. Okay, remember that figure that we calculated earlier? All the mighty men of Barak, all the men of war, and it was over a million of them. They were there. And the Bible says there was so much spoil that it took them three days, a million people to gather everything that was there. That's how much riches, that's how much provision was present. Isn't God great? 
We need to understand that sometimes our provision, sometimes our crisis is just an opportunity for God to show his greatness. And sometimes your blessings, your opportunities, it's, not, it's just about money. That's part of it. There are other things. Sometimes it comes disguised as a crisis. God allowed the enemy to cope with the things. Judah did not have to pursue it. It came to them. What is it that we are busy pursuing? What is it that we're busy running after? What is it? The kingdom key of righteousness was operating in Jehoshaphat and in Judah. And it attracted certain things to them. It attracted the provision of God. But it came disguised in the enemy. It didn't appear as if it was a blessing in the initial stage. It came in the form of adversity. But really and truly, it was a setup for provision. It was an opportunity. And on the fourth day, they assembled themselves in the valley and they began to praise God. They began to give God all of the glory, all of the honor, all of the praise. They began to bless him. They began to elevate him. They began to magnify him because of the good thing that he had done for them. And the fear of God was on all the kingdoms of those countries. When they heard that the Lord fought against the enemies of Israel. When they heard that the Lord fought against the enemies of Israel. So the realm of Jehoshaphat was quiet. For the Lord gave him rest round about. And Jehoshaphat reigned over Judah. And he reigned 25 years in Jerusalem. He tells you about his mother. And that's where we walked in the ways of the Lord. So could it be this morning that your crisis is an opportunity for deliverance? Could it be when Joseph was thrown in the pit, it was just an opportunity for him to step into his destiny? Could it be when Potiphar's wife lied on him and he was thrown into prison. Could it be that it was just a divine appointment? Could it be that when he was in prison, he would meet the butler and the butler would one day remember him? So could it be that this was just a setup, although it was disguised as an adversity? Bible says, God is it, Joseph walked in righteousness. It attracted certain things to his life. I want to take the time just to remind us that this deliverance that God brought for Judah wasn't just a praise alone. It was an amalgamation of what we call a say, a networking of principles. The kingdom key of righteousness was at work. Then there was obedience. Then there was faith because faith is acting on what you believe. So they heard God, believed it, and acted. And okay, so righteousness, obedience, faith, and of course there was prayer. That's how they heard from God. And guess what? Then they applied the praise. They sent up the praise, and there came the victory. 
It's a networking of principles. Could it be that the reason you're not seeing certain results is because you're missing a key? Could it be? Pastor shared it. You could be doing nine things right. And the one thing that you're doing wrong just negates the, all the nine things that you're doing right. Remember, it's a net working of principles that provided the victory in this situation. Could it be, church? Could it be when Jesus Christ was betrayed, he was just ushering him into what he came to be in? Could it be? Could it be when he was crucified and the disciples thought that all was lost? Their leader was not killed. Everything was over. Could it be that this was an opportunity for you and me to step into this new place, to step into this kingdom, to be called sons and daughters? We no longer have to worship on the outside. We now can come into the holy of holies. By the new and living way, we can enter into the holy place. But at the time, he looked at the disciples that everything just mashed up. And for those who don't know what mash up is, means everything is completely wrong. So that's how it looked. That's how it appeared. But oh my God, First Corinthians 2 verse 8 says, which none of the princes of the world knew. For had they known it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. Had they known that the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ was God's plan of redemption. Had they known it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. And so what looked like a defeat was actually victory in disguise. Church, take the time to hear God's perspective on things now. Let him reveal to you by the Holy Spirit through the word of God. What he's saying about your personal situation and even the situation that is around you. Because there is nothing new under the sun. God knew that this was coming. He's not trying to figure it out. He already knows. He has all the answers. So who is better to get some answers from but God Almighty? So could it be this morning that your victory is this guy's as a defeat? Could it be? So think about it. Go back to the drawing board. We thank you so much for joining us today. God bless you and have a great day. You may contact us by email at fcfmontegobay at gmail.com or follow us on Instagram at fcfmobay and on Facebook at fcfmontegobay.